Welcome back to Building the Bach, and I'm your host, Jason Spies. In our weekly one-on-one segment, we talk with Jeremy Doctor, founder and managing director of Expansion Energy. And this interview is sponsored by BachandLocator.com. With over 5,000 business listings, BachandLocator.com is the premier business directory of the Bakken. That's BachandLocator.com. That's the directory I use out in the Bakken, and I invite you folks to use it too. That's BachandLocator.com, the premier business directory of the Bakken. And now back to our weekly one-on-one interview. This week, Expansion Energy's founder, Jeremy Doctor. Still smoking them same old cigarettes. I'm Jeremy Doctor. I'm the co-founder and managing director of Expansion Energy. Uh, Expansion Energy, what is it? Expansion Energy is an energy and environmental technology development company. So our role within the energy ecosystem, if I can use that term, is to provide technologies that we developed in-house, typically seek and uh, usually receive patent protection for, uh, and then look to partner companies, usually larger companies than ours, um, to license that technology from us. That license can either be uh, from an end user of any of our technologies, or it might be in some cases by a, uh, for example, a manufacturing company uh, that would want to use our technologies to put product out in the field that uh, they would manufacture. And we're talking patents? Typically, we are talking patents. We have a portfolio. I want to make sure I'm on the same page. Absolutely. Uh, We are in the position of having 20 granted patents now with many, many more pending uh, both in the U.S. and around the world. Um, And Our technology portfolio, broadly speaking, covers uh, anything from uh, liquefied natural gas production technology, which we can do on a very, very small scale, down to 5,000, 6,000 gallons a day even, which is uh, quite extraordinary, making it mobile. Also, I should say that most of our technologies rely on cryogenics or the processing of gas as their core technology. So another one that's relevant uh, to the oil and gas world, which we're quite excited about and are really in the process of debuting, is a waterless fracturing technology, uh, which relies also on cryogenic processes. In this case, cryogenically processing natural gas, which of course we have in great abundance here uh, in the Bakken region, and using that natural gas as the fracturing medium instead of water. Um, So we we solve a lot of problems there. Sorry, are you essentially talking about freezing the rock and smashing it? No. when I, yes. Cryogenics is where I'm stuck. Quite correct. I'm, I'm thinking of a frozen head. Yeah. yeah. Cryogenics indeed does imply very deep refrigeration. But what we do with that deep refrigeration is we basically create uh, liquefied natural gas at the surface uh, near the wellhead um, and use that very dense form of natural gas. In fact, we don't even need to go to a true liquid, but just something that is dense enough to be pumpable rather than having to compress it because when you pump something, you use a lot less energy than compressing it. So if we've got a very dense near liquid form, methane, in other words, dense natural gas at the surface. That is what we pump to high pressure instead of water, which would normally be pumped to high pressure for normal hydraulic fracturing. So cryogenic does not imply anything that's happening at cryogenic temperatures down in the well bore, but rather what's happening at the surface, where how we create the fluid, the what we call CCNG, cold compressed natural gas fluid, um, that we pump to high pressure, which eventually gets combined with propent and a, a foam, which is a propent carrying system um, that gets introduced along with that high-pressure CCNG, and that gets sent down hole to do the fracturing job and to deliver the profit. How's this waterless fracking being being accepted? This sounds like some kind, it, it almost sounds too good to be true. It <laughs> sounds like some sort of late-night infomercial. Well, I, I mean, but... Yeah, let's explain. First of all, there are existing technologies that are used in the field today, which are somewhat similar to what we're proposing here. By that, I mean the use of CO2, uh, another 
gas, of course, uh, which is used in some places, what the industry often calls a gas-energized system. So that gas-energized system, meaning typically uh, it, it would use, for example, a foam-based prop and carrying system similar to ours. Um, but the challenges with using uh, the, the gases that are used today, like CO2 and like nitrogen um, to do fracturing, is that you very often don't have nitrogen or CO2 available in the oil and gas field to do this cost-effectively and without great logistical challenges. So what we're doing is building on that work. So here's where we're in a realm of uh, reality, uh, not so much uh, uh, in a realm that uh, hasn't uh, that doesn't have any analogs, um, but that instead of using CO2, instead of using nitrogen, other gases, we've got methane all around us in a typical oil and gas field. So our uh, view is why not use the methane instead, process it properly, pump it to high pressure, introduce the prop and introduce the foam uh, delivery system, and use that instead of water, instead of CO2, or instead of nitrogen. Uh, now I should point out that in many cases, uh, the CO2 and the nitrogen uh, foam frac jobs do produce better uh, than hydraulic water-based fracturing jobs. So in addition to the environmental and cost advantages of getting off of water, we also have the, um, the strong prospect of having better production in many cases. And actually, I can point folks to the uh, EERC presentations here at the Bakken Conference, um, where they are showing CO2 uh, as an enhanced oil recovery mechanism to have good effect. And so there's some similarities there, too. I, I recently um, sat down with the EERC probably six months ago in terms of recently. And they were talking about some of the research and development they were doing, the number of wells they can put in, the length of uh, the horizontal drilling. And there was something said that led me to believe, now this wasn't confirmed, this was my mind, that there were some experimentals with sound and possibly radio waves for fracking. Are you at all familiar with the sound below the Earth's surface or radio waves? No, that okay. is quite outside my area of expertise, to be quite honest about it. Uh, but interesting stuff, and actually there are others who are looking at uh, some neat things like thermal shock. In other words, okay. actually using cryogenic temperatures downhole, where particularly in basins like the Peons Basin, where water is not particularly effective. I should mention too that I have no idea if radio waves are being used. Like I said, there was just something said where my mind went to shattering rock with radio waves, and I because it was they couldn't elaborate further on what sure. the research and maybe it was proprietary. Was, and I thought, yeah. I wonder if they're down there. For well, a, for what I and radios. what I will say because it, it can theoretically happen. Correct, and, and and what I would say in support of all of that groundbreaking research is that um, it is quite well known in the industry now that look, we're only getting five to ten percent right. of the oil and gas resource out of these shale basins. There's a lot left over, and so I and many others in the industry are great believers that technology is going to unlock a lot of those still stranded down in the shale uh, resources that we can bring up. Uh, and send to market. So there is all kinds of opportunity here, and I'm a great believer in technology advancing, and this industry has been remarkably good about adopting new technology. Role of a regulator. Um, I imagine there's some regulations involved with your industry, and, or I should say within your organizations, you follow them if you're involved in energy. Uh, what is your... Um, I guess your opinion or your thought on the uh, role of a regulator? It's a, it's a broad question, but I will take a stab at it. I think you'll find just about everybody in the oil and gas industry recognizes that good 
healthy, well-designed regulation is not only necessary for the broad public, but also necessary for the health of the industry. Um, if the industry can demonstrate that it is compliant with all reasonable regulations and maybe have some voice in helping craft those regulations, not the final say perhaps, but also just to be at the table so that anything that is proposed in terms of public policy and regulations um, actually it achieves the outcome that you're after in the first place. But I think that you'll find that uh, the oil and gas industry uh, understands that uh, being compliant with well-designed regulation is in its best interest, and I think there is a real uh, willingness to do that. And obviously, uh, we all hope that the regulation is done smartly and uh, in a way that uh, doesn't stop this great boom we're experiencing. Do you guys comment on flaring? Do you get involved with the natural gas side of things? What, what, whether it's capturing natural gas or flaring? Yes. Either way? Uh, excellent question, and yes, we do. Um, I mentioned early in the interview that we also have a small-scale LNG technology, uh, which we call the VX Cycle, uh, that has actually been licensed by another company called Dresser Rand out of Houston, big equipment manufacturer. Um, they are producing small-scale LNG systems, which they call LNGO, um, using our technology. Uh, and that is uh, among other things, a great application for that small-scale technology is to indeed go after gas that is otherwise being flared, uh, which may not yet be accessing a gathering system um, and thus can be liquefied instead at the well site and then either brought to market or more likely these days brought to drilling rigs, frack spreads, and tank heaters, et cetera, uh, that can use LNG to displace diesel. Uh, it's more cost-effective, it's cleaner, all kinds of good stuff. Um, now, also, I should mention back to the, the waterless fracturing technology, which, by the way, we call Verge, V-R-G-E. So Verge uh, can utilize the gas that is otherwise being flared. So we can take gas that would have been flared, convert it into this CCNG, the pumpable methane, natural gas, um, and use it to do more production instead of flaring it off. So we kind of feel that is uh, kind of a, uh, a beautiful fix uh, to an otherwise uh, burdensome issue, uh, which is what are we going to do with all this flared gas? Well, in fact, we can use that gas uh, to produce more oil and associated gas and do it in kind of a virtuous cycle, uh, if you will. Um, so we can put what otherwise is going to waste actually to good use to produce more hydrocarbons. And I should point out, too, when this CCNG material is sent down whole at high pressure, does its job, delivers the propent, uh, does the fracturing with pressure eventually that methane, the gas, comes back up. So you just send it to market once it returns to surface, as opposed to water, which you have to then send to either disposal site, injection wells, uh, treatment facilities. Um, many folks in this industry will tell you that the disposal of water issue is even bigger than the consumption of water issue. So we avoid that. BNSF is uh, experimenting with some uh, LNG uh, rail. Uh, Blaze Energy out of Bismarck was just telling me that he's got a couple trucks out in the Bakken that fuel up with LNG. Correct. Uh, do, are you guys following that at all? Well, you're right that it's a mega trend. In fact, it's a global mega trend. There are countries in the world that have millions of LNG and CNG uh, vehicles on their roads. Places like Argentina, Brazil, Italy, China. Um, so we have actually in our country uh, an even better eventual prospect to shift to millions of cars and heavy-duty vehicles and mining equipment, construction equipment, etc. Whether they're using gasoline or whether they're using diesel. And that was the founder and managing director of Expansion Energy. Jeremy Doctor. This interview is brought to you by BakkenLocator.com, the premier business directory of the Bakken. With over 5,000 business listings, BakkenLocator.com is the premier business directory of the Bakken. To listen to the full-length interview with Jeremy Doctor, founder of Expansion Energy, or other one-on-one -on -one interviews, 
visit our website, buildingthebakken.com. Well, don't say goodbye, because I'm going to see you next time, maybe in a year, singing your lullaby.